Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by Mubi, a curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast with FilmStage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian J. Rowan. With me today, we have Bill Graham. And should I say, do the clicking thing? Can you make the clicking noise? No. Okay. I, I, I was not prepared for that, but I cannot do that either. Love your commitment to just not even trying, by the way. That was perfect. <laughs> a lesser man would have attempted it. Anyway, uh, Michael Snydell is not here today. He had a family obligation that he forgot when he scheduled this time. Uh, But we have in his place the person whose place he took when he first joined this podcast, (laughs) low those many years ago. It's Amanda Waltz. Hi. Hey. Hey. Uh, Can I just say that I was already scheduled to be on this podcast before Michael bailed? Yeah, 100%. He we were... We were so excited. We had the idea. Like, he was like, what are the scary movies should we talk about? I was like, we got to talk about The Descent. And he said, oh, shit. Yes, we do. Who should we have on? And I said, we have to have on Amanda Waltz. And he said, yes. Yes. God damn it. Yes. And then like three days ago, he was like, oh, I'm not going to be available that day. He seems so excited. We were DMing each other. And he's like, I can't wait to talk to you about this movie. And I'm. And now I feel bad. He can't I, be here with us. But we we tried to reschedule. I don't know what happened. At some point, he was just like, "Whatever, just do it on Sunday without me." And I was like, "All right, well. boo." Oh, it's okay. Man. We'll be okay. Yeah, everything happens for a reason. We did like I don't know, maybe a hundred episodes of the show, just the three of us. Right. But just can we the recapture? Three of us. The, can, we can make it if you try. All right. So I was going <laughs> to ask if we could recapture the magic. I think Bill just definitively proved that we cannot. I can I can recapture the magic by saying so earlier when my husband asked me who was going to be on the podcast, I said, well, Michael is not going to be on. Brian's going to be on. And he's like, "Uh, is the big guy going to be on (laughs) the strong guy? (laughs) I was about to say, I would think that I'm the big guy. But in terms of the strong guy, yeah, that's so the big guy and the strong guy are here. So he said, is the strong guy going to be on? I said, oh, you mean Bill? And he's like, yeah. No, Mr. CrossFit. (laughs) I've showed I've showed my husband pictures of you, Bill. <laughs> okay. He's a personal trainer. I'm like, hey, look at this guy. He's strong. What do you think? <laughs> there, we go. there we go. It's true. <laughs> you are you are quite strong. I still think about you as the person with the most intense mustache uh, I've ever seen. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. My fiance has never seen that in person. That is uh, crazy to me. Y- yes. So she's seen lots of photos, and every time she sees a photo, she's like, uh, uh-uh. uh. No, never happening again. Don't even talk about it. That's like <laughs> just like <laughs> my my ex-wife from meeting her on through now, you know, beyond our child and our divorce has never seen me with a smooth shaven face. Mm-hmm. And oh, I just wow. uh, I think it's oh, I think it's well, funny. Here's here's a here's a fun story. So um, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Erica was in the shower and I was getting ready in the bathroom and uh 
I think I was trimming my beard somehow. And I, you know, if, if you're a fellow with the beard, you've probably gone through this oh shit moment where you're trying to trim it up and you trim too much and you're like, oh, oh that looks fucked up. And then you kind of try and even it out and you're like, oh, this is terrible. This looks awful. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, I just have to go f- like clean. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, I did that. And then I hopped in the shower and she looked at me and she just like <gasps> horror stricken. And she was like, no, you didn't. She was like, oh, oh, no. and, and I will not let her live that down because I'm just like, look, if you colored your hair or cut your hair or did something like that and I told you, oh, no. Like this relationship right, there, would be over. There would be a murder. <laughs> yes. Well, and, so, but but for her to look at me and go, "Oh no, no, <laughs> you made a mistake," <laughs> and and just being like, "What what did I do?" And she's like, "You can never do that again." And I'm just like, "But you know, the good thing about my facial hair is, unlike the hair on top of my head, uh, my facial hair grows through really really quick. So mm-hmm. I had I had like." you know, a beard and a mustache within three weeks. So it was like, eh, you know, okay. So but, when you, when you were finishing that story, I thought you were going to say she didn't recognize you and attack you. Because <laughs> yeah. You I was expecting her to be so like, long. Oh my yeah. God, a stranger in my house. <laughs> Cause my so, dad had a mustache, like a Tom Selleck mustache for most of my life. Mm-hmm. And we were at a party at my uncle's house. Like the whole family was there and my dad had to leave for some reason. And I guess he got, He's a farmer, so he probably got something dirty on him and took a shower and decided to shave, but fucked up his mustache and was like, well, I guess I'll just shave the mustache that I've had for 20 years off. And he shaved it off. And I remember (laughs) his truck pulled up. I was probably like six or seven, like his truck pulled into the driveway and I ran up to it. He got out of it and I stopped dead in my tracks and looked at him. I had no idea who he was. My dad looks... (laughs) so different without a mustache and he looked at me and he said mandy it's your dad (laughs) (laughs) then my grandmother his mother looked across the yard and said who's that strange man hugging mandy and somebody's like janet it's your son (laughs) nobody fucking recognized it without a mustache on yep it it, it becomes something that kind of follows you around it it, it enters the room before you get there that was definitely the case with with my uh handlebar mustache like i've never had strangers come up to me and be like can i touch your mustache so like i can get like the hair thing like like, i i when i when i was when i shaved my head you know people be like oh hey can i touch your head and it's like yeah sure and then when i had like the close cropped stubble people be like can i touch the stubble but like there's something about the nearness to the mouth that I'm just like, I'm not fucking touching that mustache. You no. Okay, no. so wait. There's yeah. there's a movie that now everyone listening has to watch to called La Moustache. It's from 2005. <laughs> um, from okay. director Emmanuel Carrere. Carrere? Mm-hmm. I don't know. C-A-R-R-E with a little apostrophe of it. R-E. And it is about, it is about a man who after 15 years shaves off his mustache and no one notices... And beyond that, when he points out that he did it, everyone claims that he never had a mustache. <laughs> oh, like gaslighting like him. Yeah, okay. it's, a, it's a very interesting one of those like existential French movies from the early 2000s that I loved so much. <laughs> so, yeah, check that out. Uh, we are here uh, today. We've already 
Amanda Waltz is back, and thus we have already been recording for eight minutes, and we went on a tangent, and yep, that's just how we roll. It's me. Yep. This, this is not going to happen again. We're just never going to get to talk about the descent. I promise this won't happen again. Yeah, let's, of course, let's, no. let's talk about this this great masterpiece of horror cinema. Oh my God, yes. I can't wait. I literally can't wait. Um, I'm so excited. Oh. Uh, we are here today, classic episode, to talk about the descent. Before we get into that, uh, the usual nonsense up front. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. Uh, give us an email, podcastfilmstage.com. And of course, you can uh, comment and rate and uh, subscribe on whatever podcatcher you do. What else? Um, become a patron of this show by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show for as little as one dollar an episode. You can help us produce more episodes and uh, basically fund our lifestyles of opulent wealth. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for laughing at that. Uh, I, yes. This actually folds into the whole Patreon thing. When you become a patron, you get access to our Slack channel, right? And you can talk to us and other people who listen to the show. Um, it's it's fun if you, you know, just really hold your nose sometimes. But one of the great things that we actually do is we have a the, the cinephile card game that people may have seen. Uh, mm. The film stage did a bunch of those for charity. And we've started doing one weekly. And I've never been able to be on one before because they start a little earlier than I can do with a child. And I show up. And I didn't know that somehow a great many of our listeners have created a lore about me that I am fabulously wealthy. What? They just kept talking about my mansion. What? And I, it was like a Chuck Norris joke, but the joke was somehow that I just have a lot of money. Okay. I mean, I and, think you've mentioned that like your family... I think your dad was like a lawyer for the government or something. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can piece something together, but like my husband's from Fairfax, Virginia, and I know like, yeah, if you work for the government, that doesn't automatically mean you're mega rich. No, like, <laughs> I'm one of those people that works for the government for not a lot of money. So, but it was just hilarious right. to, uh, to hear them just constantly referencing my obscene wealth. <laughs> Uh, that I don't have. So if you would like to get in on that, uh, go to patreon.com slash the film state show to give us your money. We are also brought to you by Mubi, uh, the curated streaming service showcasing exceptional films from around the globe. Every day, Mubi premieres a brand new film. Whether it's a timeless classic, a cult favorite, or an acclaimed masterpiece, it's guaranteed to be either a movie that you've been dying to see or one you've never heard of before. And there will always be something new to discover some new stuff coming to the platform uh, they have a special series going on the uncanny universe of kiyoshi kurosawa uh, i want to highlight one of these films for y'all because this one uh just sounds sounds pretty great uh, especially given my love of movies where people meet their doubles this is a 2003 movie called doppelganger mm. a decidedly playful master of many genres kiyoshi kurosawa collaborated again with the great actor Koji Yakushu, I don't know if I said that right, and I apologize if I didn't, in a lightly comic version of a very scary idea. One may, one day, a man sees his exact double. Existentially terrifying, perhaps, but also potentially advantageous. Mm. This is a movie that is called A Darkly Sly Gem, and I am looking forward to watching it. So you can check that out on Mubi by going to mubi.com slash filmstage. For a free 30-day trial, again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. 
And yeah, I believe that that mm-hmm. is it. So now we can get into our main review, which, as we said, is of The Descent, the 2005 horror masterpiece by writer-director Neil Marshall. This movie is about a group of women who decide to go caving, uh, both for recreation and to help one of them get over a tragedy that happened in her life, and uh, bad shit goes down. Here is the trailer. Smile. Do you know, are you sure we're going the right way? I've never been lost in my life. <laughs> There's only one way out of this chamber, and that's down the pipe. All right. So that's part of the trailer for The Descent. This movie is available to stream for money. In various places, and uh, we're here to talk about it because it's October, the spookiest of months, and um, yeah, we just decided because uh, COVID and everything's going on, why not talk about some uh, crazy horror movies that we like? So last week we talked about the Mothman prophecies, Ugh. which turned into basically no one really liking the movie that much. I think Bill was the nope. most positive, uh, but then just you know, Mary Beth Andrews and I talked about High Strangeness, The Men in Black, and all kinds of weirdness for like three hours. This time I feel yeah, like we're a gonna, long one. This time I feel like we're gonna we're gonna have a lot to talk about with this movie. This is uh because yes. first of all, just up front, you know, again, it's a spoilers classic episode, blah blah blah. This movie fucking rules. And um also just <sighs> because I feel like it's a thematically rich tapestry of horror and uh womanhood and betrayal and paranoia and oh shit, like God. Let's let's I can't wait. So let's begin. Amanda Waltz. Mm. Uh, when did you first see the descent? And uh what are your thoughts on the descent? So I remember when this came out in theaters and I didn't want to see it because of the poster. I think there was a trend with posters for a while where it would be the shape of something but it would be made from human bodies yes i think this was kind of yeah and this is definitely an example of that where it's a skull but it's the bodies of all the women um and so i just kind of thought oh this is just going to be like every other dumb horror movie that's coming out right now so i didn't watch it until a couple years later in my apartment and i was by myself it was during the day uh and i started hyperventilating at one point because it really got to me so yeah uh, i really really like this movie i've watched it quite a few times since and uh it's interesting because even the most recent watch it still feels so new like it doesn't feel dated at all um so and i thought i think especially from like 2005 i thought for sure i'd be like oh look at this weird fashion choice or no it's still i think it's still a very good so all right. Bill Graham, same questions. Um, so I, I don't really remember when I first saw this. Um, it was definitely like <clears throat> around its its release. I can definitely remember actually seeing, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. Uh maybe this is the time to talk about it. Uh I definitely remember seeing the cave in theaters, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> the and cave? Oh. The, didn't that was that Cole Hauser? Yes. Cave. 
Oh, yeah, you didn't you didn't know about this? So th- this is the movie that has Lena Headey in it for just a little bit. It stars Piper Perabu, Morse Chestnut, Cole Hauser. Oh. Um, okay. It's also got Daniel Day Kim in it. Uh, yeah, th- this they both have incredibly similar uh, premises. Both are about them going into a cave that then they find special creatures that have kind of uh, – you know, uh, evolved in this kind of area. Um, those creatures actually are winged and I think it's some kind of virus that actually, uh, infects them instead of them just being, you know, uh, crazy cave people that have just evolved to have good ear, uh, ear hearing, hearing. They have Um, good ear. uh, Yes, that is. (laughs) uh but yeah so so i remember actually seeing that um and i i remember hearing about the descent uh shortly after it came out um it was definitely one of those films that like was always on you know uh this was before Reddit, but it was always on like message board, like mm. top tens of like, you know, best scary movies and all these things. And so eventually it just got to a point when I was in college that I was like, okay, I got to fucking see this thing. Like, what, what, what is this? Um, and so I definitely caught it. I think I saw the, uh, theatrical release of it. Um, the theatrical version of it and, uh, Ooh, yeah. really, really liked it. Um, but I remember it being kind of right up my alley as well because it was short and kind of to the point, right? It didn't bullshit about, um, it definitely got, got to the kills and got to all the fun pretty quick. Um, and this time around, I think I've seen it maybe twice before this. And so this time around, I saw it this morning, um, I was actually surprised by, like Amanda is saying, uh, it definitely has a lot of just that claustrophobia feel to it. Um, there's one like standout sequence when I believe it's Sarah uh, is kind of uh, hyperventilating. She's having a panic attack and her friend is like rescuing her and she's like, "It's there's nothing to worry about. No big deal. Like we all got through this, like just keep moving forward. We'll get through this. And then all of a sudden, like the rocks shift and she's like, get the fuck out of here. Now, now. I hate so, it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's definitely like a standout sequence. Um, you know, I, I, I would love, I, I probably should have watched some of this, but I would love to see some of the behind the scenes and, and to mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. like, did they create a actual production set of this ca- cavern? So from what I they... read, cause yeah, this is, I believe this is shot at uh Pinewood studios. And okay. so I think they were able to build a lot of the sets cause that's a huge, huge studio. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's where if people don't know what Pinewood Studios is, it's it's a legendary London establishment. Uh, Harry Potter is filmed there. Star Wars is filmed there. uh, Aliens is filmed there. All like, yeah, just think of like giant sci fi or fantasy productions uh, set or, you know, mainly housed in Britain. And yeah. That's where it usually ends up. Uh, mm-hmm. th- I think the James Bonds are actually I think filmed James there. James Bonds. I think the the what, what, 
someone's going to yell at me if I'm wrong about this. I think the prequels, <laughs> the Star Wars prequels are filmed there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Pinewood, yeah. The Stanley, Pinewood has... the, the, the Overlook Hotel was in there, too. Oh, oh wow. I, I, uh, again, I'm going to get yelled at, but I'm almost certain <laughs> that that is true. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised okay. because I do feel that it's it's just where you go if you need some really uh, huge sets that look good. Yes. Basically, yeah. Yeah, and and definitely, you know, their crew is just kind of up to the task for it. Um, yeah. They have a legendary kind of crew there as well that just really, really make it top notch. But yeah, uh, you know, it, it's it's just so interesting to see this because it, it just feels so so present, so so yeah. like current. Like it, there isn't a lot to really, I mean, you know, y- you could laugh about like the clothes they wear and some of their hairstyles and some of the outfits and shit like that. But it's like, ah, you know, like besides like stupid shit like that, like there's, there's not a lot that really dates this movie. Yeah. Um, and, and it stays within its budget. That's, that's one of the things that I always love about films like this. Um, you know, I'm looking at the budget right now and it, it's reported that it's like 3.5 million, uh, pounds, uh, British pounds. So, I mean, you know, it looks fantastic for what it was actually made for as well. Um, so yeah, this movie is definitely right up my alley. I think, uh, it, it'll be fun to kind of talk about um, some of the some of the ways that these women either a end up choosing to fight or kind of fight amongst themselves at certain points. Uh, I think I think that's kind of uh, some rich stuff to kind of talk and dive into. So, yep. So, um, <laughs> I uh, I saw like trailers and posters for the descent. I don't think I saw the women as a skull poster first. I think the first one I saw was the one uh, with like I think it's I think Sarah like jumping out of the the, the gore puddle. <laughs> there was, I oh know. yeah, okay, um, yeah, I know that one. And there was a trailer for this, and it might have been the one that I just played. But like the whole trailer was basically like the the part where Sarah gets stuck in the tiny tiny oh so tiny little like cave tunnel shaft that they shimmy through yeah and um i remember seeing that and i was like no i don't want to see this movie this is everything that i hate (laughs) it's dark and there's like claustrophobia and they're in a fucking cave and no i'm not down for that and then they showed like that they were monsters too and i was like why why that's too much there's too much going on i don't want to do this (laughs) um so then abort abort i'm sitting in my i'm sitting in my dorm room uh, with my friend Tony, and I don't know how he talked me into it, but he's like, we should watch The Descent uh, before we go to this party. And I was like, absolutely not. And then we did it. You know, it's really going to get us rev for this party. We are like pre-party <laughs> like thing. Our, our whole like SOP was like, let's watch something on TV and get drunk like alone by ourselves just to like introvertedly charge up to go pretend to like people. Um, mm. So sometimes like... <laughs> Like it would be like Project Runway or like one time we watched Made in Manhattan. And then for whatever reason, this time he's like, we got to watch The Descent. And I was like, oh, fuck, fine. And I'd already heard him and some of our other friend group talking about the concept of trogs. We, the you know, a troglodyte is a mm-hmm. cave dwelling creature. Um, and so like, you know, you could be a trog or you could act like a trog or you could be trog in or like you would get trogged if something bad happened to you and you got like oh, hurt. Boy. Um <laughs> 
But so as, we, as long as you are not ripped in half, starting at your groin, like in uh, uh, bone tomahawk. Yes. Yeah, bone tomahawk. Uh, uh, I think I think any injury besides that is uh, a okay. You forget that they scalp him and spike his scalp into his mouth first. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, fucking I, I, S. I Craig Zoller, one. man. That guy. The, the other he's one working still through some wins. Stuff. Um, anyway, so, so we watched it and I was terrified. I was, I was terrified that I forget. I, you know, upon, I had not seen this movie since I saw it that one time, which had to be in like 2006 because we were in the dorm room together and he was only in the school, uh, until like the, the end of the first semester because he got kicked out. And then like a couple months later he was dead. So (laughs) So it had to have, it could have been like in this time period, it may almost have been 14 years to the day or to the month since I've seen this movie because I saw oh, it wow. and I fucking like, I, it's great. I tell everyone that this is a good movie. I tell them it's scary. It's so scary. I never wanted to see it again. Like, yeah. why would I put myself through that? Um, this movie has been on my like great movies that you only watch once list. Sure, and sure. it might be the only one that I've actually only watched once. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. Uh, so the craziest part, though, about that whole story about, you know, my friend Tony, who who killed himself being the guy who showed me this, is that I watched this movie. I kept putting it off. And then today I'm like, shit, I have to podcast on this today. So I get home from the distillery and I put it on and it's like, I don't know, five o'clock and it's fall so like i'm like it's great you know that the sun is out i'll feel comfortable but the sun just kept setting and so like the further into the movie we i got the darker it literally got outside and i was just like curled up on my couch (laughs) with my legs shaking from anxiety and it is tony's birthday today (laughs) oh my god so I don't know if that means anything i found it to be an interesting thing uh i'll just say that this movie still rules I, I, this is the first movie in a while that I can remember shouting out loud in a room full of no one. Um, just like, like when the, when the first rock shifts in that little shaft, I literally said, you know, get the fuck out. Like what the fuck get like fucking move. (laughs) And then (sighs) just like every, there's, there's just so much stuff in this movie that had me like actually screaming out loud, like at the TV. And most of it was curse words. And um, it's really it's really crazy. It's really intense. It's a, it's a great movie. It's like a perfect movie. Uh, I, but, you know, it's just it's so fucking scary. And it's scary before the monsters even show up. Like yeah. 47 minutes into the movie. I would I, say the monsters are not the scariest thing about this movie. No. When the monsters showed up, I relaxed. <laughs> like, <laughs> because I, I was like... Well, now, like, I can handle this. Like, yeah, at least at least they can fight this, right? They can't fight nature, right? But right. when she's when she's like, you know, stuck in the shaft, or when that one woman has to like make them a rope bridge, and mm-hmm. so she's just hanging by one hand and like putting the pittens in. Oh God, yeah. When she's like using the old, uh, like when she's putting her carabiners into the yeah. old. I was like, "What? Why would you do that?" 
Yeah, yeah. What, what, it's like, <laughs> what are you and, doing? And she's not saving them. Like the other lady that ends up coming back is like, no, we got to keep them. And I'm like, okay, but like the whole point of her just doing that was also to keep one extra, like, what are they called? Pinions? Uh, keep yeah. one of these other like anchor points. And I'm like, what the fuck are you going to do with one like additional one? Like you're not going to do anything with that. So either use it or don't use it. Like, like I right. don't know. Unless it was just like doing. in the one place she could have put a new one, but I don't, I don't sure. know. It's, it's hard for me well, to know I, because I, at that I point, that I was old piece of shit. Right. It feels like that's a bad idea. But at that point I was also just like literally talking to the television just being like, just finish it. Just go. Just get out. Like, oh my god, what's happening? Um. So yeah, this uh, this fucking movie, man. I am. Um, I'm a fan of it. It's not a fan of me. It was not nice <laughs> to me. It was not polite to me. <laughs> but this movie, uh, really, really fucking rules. And um, I think it's. I think it's just. Uh, I think it's just fantastic. It's just great. I look forward to not watching it again <laughs> for a while. <laughs> Yep. Oh boy. There's a lot to talk about in this movie too. I mean, one of the things that I like is that it's very thematically rich, but also it's a very thought out story. Like I can't I oh, have yeah. to assume just because Cole Hauser's in it that the cave is not a particularly thematically rich character based okay. examination. Who, whomst is Cole Hauser and why are we talking shit on him? He's uh, one of those like generic, rugged, older white men. If I showed you a picture of Cole Hauser, you'd know who Cole Hauser is. Okay, fair enough. He's, he's one of the bad guys in Pitch Black. Um, he's he's a real asshole oh, in that God, movie. It's been so long. Is he okay. kind of like uh oh God? Who is that guy in the movie? Um, oh, the movie with the where they invaded the the blind guy's house. Is he oh. kind of like that? Like it's like oh he's like a handsome strong daddy kind of guy. Yeah, I would say uh-huh. he's a handsome strong daddy kind of guy. Did you ever see? Uh, let's take a look at his filmography. Did you ever see Paparazzi? <laughs> <laughs> wow, you went with that. Okay, he's the main character in Paparazzi. So if you were to <laughs> no. say, yeah, I know Paparazzi, I'd be like, well, Kohlhauser is Bo whatever in Paparazzi. I will do my own research into this gentleman. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All you have to do is just look at one photo of him. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I know that guy. Yeah. Is he an American it's- psycho or am I thinking of the other guy who's not Cole Hauser? <laughs> yeah, you're thinking of someone else. I- I'm sure I would know who he was the second I looked at him. But yeah, at the yeah. moment, I'm just like, yeah, he's, okay. I get he's not Josh Lucas. Is that helpful? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, yes. uh, Josh Lucas. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, yeah. Okay, so... So anyway, just, um, yes, anyway. But, but yeah, so this movie, on the other hand, is. It's it's deep, it's got layers, it's crazy. Uh, we should also say, again, this is classic, so full spoilers, blah, blah, blah. This movie had two different endings. Um, have we yes. all seen both endings? Yes. Okay, Bill, yes. have you seen Yes, no, I okay. have. Yeah. So... I the first time I saw it, I'm gonna. I, th- I I'm pretty sure that Tony downloaded this movie illegally because even though we were in America in 2006, wow. we still saw the UK ending. I specifically purchased this movie on Amazon today because it was only one dollar more expensive than renting it. So 
you know, if I do decide to watch it in less than 14 years, uh, I can do that easily now. Um, I, I got what said was the unrated director's cut, but it still had just the U.S. ending. So I don't know if like I had to select an option or what, but. Okay, are we going to save till the end to talk about the difference between the U.K. and the U.S. ending? Yeah, we, that can, I mean, we, yeah, that could be our final thing. Because I, I don't know that, but, you know. I'd really like to know, but we'll, we can save it. Oh, wait. But so. All right. Interesting. Um, But yes. So let's let's talk about this movie. Um, First of all, one of the things that I like most about this movie is the fact that like the the crawlers, as they are called in the production notes, mm-hmm. are like one of the more better thought out creatures that I've ever seen in a movie, Um, mm-hmm. both in terms of what we are told by the characters, but also just what we observe on our own selves. Like. There is a child, and when that child is murdered, its mother seems very upset. Yeah. I like I like the fact that like that's the depth of thought that goes into this this film. That they they literally sat down and said, like, look, we're gonna make these creatures, but they can't just be formless, gormless, monotonous things. Like we we really need right. to like make an ecosystem here. Well, it's also the idea that these are humanoid beings where to assume that they were once humans as Mm -hmm. you know, the movie reveals later the idea that over the course of, I mean, I'm going to guess decades humans can evolve that quickly into basically like hairless mole rats and just, it's really interesting. Yeah. So according to uh, Neil Marshall, he conceived them as like cavemen that never left caves Oh, so it would be like okay. thousands of years. But when I first saw the movie, I I assumed that it was like 1700s prospectors who just like. Well, that's what I thought, too. I thought it was like they were because don't they tell a story or don't somebody tells a story about how like there were some settlers and they got caught in the caves or there's something, some reveal. I can't yeah, like there's, there's the whoever was spelunking the first time was in there and their stuff was like 100 years old. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, um, so yeah, okay, maybe you're right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's cave paintings too, but like, I don't know if we're supposed to assume that that means that these creatures made those paintings. I there's there's a lot that's known and a lot that's unknown, but I like that at the very basic form level, you have the concept of like a colony, like a family unit right. type of thing. Um, other things that I quite love about this movie, it's it's uh, we once talked about Suspiria on this podcast, uh, the original Suspiria, I should say, and um, the giallo Italian horror stuff. And this movie plays with color like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's Which so is crazy good. because it's in a... It's in a fucking cave. <laughs> yeah, it's in a cave and that it's able to execute that is very admirable. Well, I think that yeah. the, well, the choice to do like only source lighting... I mean, from a production standpoint, I'm sure it saved their asses because they were able to build a cave and then just shoot from different angles. But like the the headlamps are the yellow and then there's the green glow sticks and then the red uh, flares. I mean, like, it's just it's so like watching this movie. The only way I was able to not be scared was to marvel at the production. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. The production values are so incredible. And it's also I don't know. I just think that also the women as much as there is this there's this rivalry between the two main women uh I believe Sarah and Juno mm-hmm. um 
I kind of felt bad for the rest of the group because it just felt like they were unknowingly caught up in the like the terrible drama of these other two women's lives and yeah like they were just they were just out for a fun caving expedition and it's like what now what <laughs> like what yeah. are we doing yeah when, when they when they turn on Juno and are like what the fuck why would you why would we unknowingly end up in a cave system that is undiscovered that maybe doesn't have you know an exit point yeah. Know, like like I'm just like okay hold on hold on hold on the assumption here is that it has an exit point not only like has one but like you know like just just one yeah. like at, at what point am I supposed to turn back around and go well I guess we got to go back up the right. entrance because we're not getting out and I'm like hold on like this could have been a very quick uh like our jaunt into the cave and just be like, well, this sucks. Uh, yep. There's nowhere to go. Um, so I guess we have to go back. Hey, Juno, this is a really sucky cave. Like, you know, wanted so- it to be special. She wanted, like, they were going to discover this cave. They were right, going to be gonna the name first. It. They were going to yeah. name it after Fucking Sarah. Juno. <laughs> name it Fucking after Juno. Sarah. So, like, like what, what Juno's, the fuck Juno's a kind of a piece of shit, but also, like, yeah. Juno kind of fucking rules. Oh, yeah. Well, all these women rule because here's the thing. I will never understand thrill seeking. I don't get it. I don't know why anyone would want to go caving. And in fact, I've had there's two things that I thought of watching this movie. One was when I was in grad school, my friend, we had to do a project. We had to do just like a class project where it had to be storytelling through some kind of visual media. It could be photography film it could even be like a website or something like that so my friend lily chose photography and she decided she was going to do a photo essay on this caving group in syracuse which is where i went to school and the way she practiced was she went into her room closed all the doors and windows and just covered up any possible light source like putting blankets under the crack of the door and stuff like that and would just take photos in that complete darkness and then just adjust the camera settings. And then when she showed her photo essay, I thought I was going to fucking shit my pants because it was so awful. Like, I mean, it was just people I knew was in complete darkness. So you had to keep remembering that even though you could see everything that was going on, but it was just people shoving themselves into a crevice so they could possibly get into a cavern on the other side or kind of shimmy their way through like a little wormhole. And just sh- I to me, I was like, caves are just caskets. Caves are just <laughs> giant caskets. Yes. And you have millions of pounds of earth and rocks and debris hanging above your head that at any moment could come collapsing down and literally bury you so right, you're, you're not supposed just, to be there like why what are you're you doing not supposed to be there unless well, well, like the, the, if you're the not funny, there for a scientific reason or because yeah, yeah. it's your job why are you in there get out of that cave doesn't seem what, fun what's 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 funny about that is like let's let's think about this like logically right if you were to if I was to tell you a cave system, right, has all of these usually like canals or interconnected tunnels that somehow have just enough room for like a human to kind of squeeze right through, yeah. right? 
the first thing that you would want to say is, cool, I will go into that area as long as I don't have to take make contact with any of those surrounding features because that <laughs> could potentially lead to it shifting and collapsing right. on top well, of it. So like that you go in, you have to squeeze in. What if you have a drink of water and had a salty breakfast, you're not yes. getting back out. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, I'm always, I'm always like, okay, cool. So did we like take measurements of all your friends and are oh. like, okay, everybody's a size four. Cool. Let's go into this cave. Oh, no one here is above a C six. cup, right? Right. Yeah, it, okay. Exactly. Great. It's just. It's just like, <laughs> what is going on here? Like, I get it. Like, I I understand some of that that thrill seeking. Not necessarily yeah. that I would I would necessarily do this, but I mean, I I definitely get it. I don't necessarily have claustrophobia. I definitely went through uh, firefighter training tests, and uh, I've definitely crawled. Uh, crawl spaces. I think we've touched on this in previous episodes. So I don't necessarily have a fear of uh, enclosed spaces, but there is just something that's just kind of thumbing your nose at 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 nature. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what they're doing, right? I, like, yeah. I mean, they're not, you know, they're, I, they're, I, they're, they're, <laughs> go ahead. I, well, I was going to say, I'm not claustrophobic. I can get into a closet, close the door and be in the dark and be fine. What I am afraid of is being crushed to death by a boulder. Yeah. Like, yeah. this has nothing to do with claustrophobia because right. I'm not claustrophobic either. <laughs> Put me in an elevator with 20 people. Totally great. But like, fine. shimmy and get stuck in some fucking rocks and then like, no, that's, that's like a whole different thing. There's not a word for that except like it's, common sense. <laughs> it's just so crazy. And it also made me think about, do you guys remember the show Insomniac with David Tell that was yes. on like Comedy Central? So there is an episode where if it, anybody who doesn't know, I don't even know if you can find it. Uh, Insomniac was this show where comedian David Tell would just travel the country or travel the world. And he would basically just kind of see what like, the after hours scene was like in these towns. And in one episode, he goes on a mining expedition, like a like he just follows these miners during this sort of like early morning and nighttime, whatever, um, like during their jobs. And that too, I was just watching it and thinking, why would anyone ever want to do this? Why would anyone ever want to go into a mine, especially considering like there are documented mining accidents, like people have died. It's very, very dangerous. And I just, I don't know. To me, it's just kind of like, I think it goes against like any human condition in terms of like self-preservation and just, I don't know. There's something, what is missing from your life that you feel mm-hmm. like, yeah, I got to go underground <laughs> as far as I can go and just see what happens. Well, here's, <laughs> like, here's an answer to that. You could have lost your lover who was also your best friend's true. husband. Um, mm-hmm. Your best friend uh, might've lost her husband and her child. Well, they were thrill seekers before because the movie starts off with them. Doing uh, some whitewater I think they were, rafting. Yeah, they were yeah. whitewater rafting. So these are like known thrill seekers and this is just what they do. And I well, don't I know. It's just one of the <sighs> one of the things that I, I noticed on this watch through um, was how Holly, who is, you know, they call her Ju- Juno's newest protege. And Juno seems to be a little more hardcore than everyone else. Oh, um, yeah, 100 percent. And Holly is very performative about, about like, you know, oh, you know, boredom caves, more like boredom caves. Like the cave we're going to might as well have hand railings. 
she talks about like free climbing a cathedral and getting like chased by a priest and she's just laughing and laughing and laughing but she is the one who freaks out the fucking hardest oh, and yeah. ends up sliding down a, a drop chute and breaking her leg in a scene that I completely forgot about and had to suffer through. Um, <laughs> and yeah, like I think that there is a a level. It's like a roller coaster. I can't stand roller coasters. You know, I fuck roller, co- roller coasters. I, I was talking to someone about this the other day. I'm cool with going to like a haunted barn or some shit like that you know we're going to the woods and like only having a flashlight but like a, a scary movie will give me pre-terrified anxiety because i'm worried about being scared and a roller coaster i just won't fucking get on because i don't like the idea of like just sitting there and having to suffer through something and even if i'm in the woods and get attacked by like a pack of wolves i, I at least am in control and can fight back in some way sure. um and and so I, I feel like Holly is the type of person who she has done these crazy things as these all these all these women all have, but um in those moments she was still in some semblance of control. Right. And yeah. Juno has put them into a situation where there is no semblance of control because well, it's sort of that, yeah, that contrived sense <clears throat> of danger where you're like, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go skydiving, but you're going skydiving with you know, an instructor, like somebody's right. instructor, yeah. you've got to shoot, you got to reserve shoot, you know, this is like, yeah. and, and Juno, when she says like, uh, we're not in Borum caves, we're in, you know, an undiscovered system. And I don't know if there's a way out. Like everyone's like, what about the book, Juno? Where's the book? Did you, you did the flight plan, right? So the mountain rescue will know. And she's like, uh, no, all those safety nets that allow us to feel like this is a good idea are gone now. And everyone's suddenly like, mm. what are we doing? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's that's <laughs> shortly after they lost the second pack of ropes and all yeah. all this other shit. Where it's just like, oh yeah, we're actually really fucked. Like we just have to proceed forward. Um, yeah, I, I think I think one of the master strokes of this film that you know uh, we, we might have jumped over um, if I hadn't mentioned it is. The fact that they show her leaving the guidebook and you're like, oh, that's a bad idea just because I know like that's a bad idea, right? You don't even know what the fuck is in that guidebook, but you're like, that's probably not a good idea to do because something tells me you're not going to remember like all the intricacies of this cave. So at first when you're kind of going through it, you're like – Oh, okay. So this cave, maybe it's a little bit higher level than what they expected, or maybe it's, you know, she's going to take a a right turn instead of a left. And now it's a whole different ball game or, and it's like, no, 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 no. That guidebook wouldn't have fucking helped them anyways. Right. Like, like that's, that's the kind of master stroke that this film kind of pulls off is you think it still has some kind of semblance of control. And once they were, you know pull that reveal it's just like oh oh okay so y'all are genuinely fucked now like it, it's just like oh, oh. <sighs> this is why so. i don't trust anybody yeah <laughs> i mean i mean you know like, how many times God, have i been Jesus. led down a cave <laughs> it's like oh you want to do what now well i think i'll just stay home i'm gonna sit this one out you guys go spelunking without me Oh my God. I don't, I just, and it's also like, so one of the things too, that I was thinking about watching it around this time, just because, and maybe 
I'm going to do a plug. I have a podcast where we talk about weird and supernatural and paranormal and just whatever else um, called Ghoul on Ghoul. And we've definitely talked about sort of folklore in terms of, I guess, like not necessarily ghosts, but just sort of just really weird local legends. And so one of the things that I remember thinking about watching at this time was uh, Sonny Bean. Yeah. Which is, yeah. So, I'm sorry. I was really excited that you brought this up. <laughs> yeah. And I, what is and I let's, let's go Sonny into this. Bean is a Scottish. Uh, so it was a really fucked up cannibalistic family. Uh, I think in the 17th century. And it was Sonny Bean was the patriarch. And then it was this family that would just basically attack people on the roads and drag them into their cave and, you know, I guess eat them. Um, but it just made me think like how much of this movie, cause this movie was for, uh, was filmed in the U S uh, in terms of like the actual exterior setting. I think it was um, North Carolina, like yes. the Appalachia. They, yeah, they claim the it's that, but it was, it was not filmed anywhere near there. <laughs> but okay. yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm like, I don't know if this is in the UK or if this is in the U S but so it's filmed in this wilderness. And I just remember thinking, okay, how much, of this is informed by folklore because this definitely has hints of that of you know ooh well there was this like party of people who got lost and so they they took shelter in this cave and they just never left like that kind of thing <laughs> where I just wondered like how how much of that and also because it's you have to think like in that surrounding area and i i've never watched the sequel to this so i don't know if they cover this in the sequel like there has to be some kind of local legend or like local thing where you don't go into that cave right i mean there's there's legends like that all over the place i i always i find sonny bean interesting because it's like i think yeah i'm looking at the wikipedia now and it's like the 16th century okay apparently murdered and cannibalized over a thousand people Jesus. I don't know. A I don't, little inflated. <laughs> well, the, the the crazier part is if you look at the little side banner thing that it has, mm-hmm. it's like Sonny Bean at the entrance of his cave, blah, blah, blah. Um, it says victims 5,593, which is don't. like super high for the 15th century. Um, that's that's yeah, like most that's of that. Europe. I don't know. It's also super specific. <laughs> um. Well, they have like, like quote unquote, documented cases, but it almost sounds like those serial killers who claim that they killed everyone. Yeah, that they're like, yeah, I, I killed 150 people, and it's like, no, you didn't. Um, I killed the Black Dahlia. I also killed Jimmy Hoffa. Um, like, I also so killed the radio old. star. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I think it's it's that kind of thing where I'm watching it, and it's in this very remote place where. There's a reason why people don't go in that cave and why that cave has not been explored. And it's probably because the locals know that there's something going on. I don't know. Yeah. It's just I it just kind of like really opens it up to all these other possibilities that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, uh, it's uh, I so uh, again, uh, because of our podcast last week, I started watching a show uh, called Hellier. Um, oh my god have you watched that <laughs> i watched the first couple episodes i i kind of fell off but yeah oh yeah i yeah, watched it's, it begins as an investigation of to of goblins possibly coming out of a mine and terrorizing a family and it yep. only gets weirder from there 
But it's mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing, like you know the Kelly Hopkinsville Goblin, and just like oh, these yeah. concepts of like things like that. And so I love the extrapolation into like, well, yeah, there's just subterranean subhuman troglodytes that uh, eat people, <laughs> and they they go up to hunt, and then they drag them back to their. I mean, H.P. Lovecraft had a story about this called the Lurking Fear, and oh, yeah. um, honestly, a lot of his he's he's got these this like race of creatures called ghouls that like kind of haunt the 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 underground of arkham um oh yeah they're seen in a oh it's uh it's the 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 whatever story where the guy paints pictures i can't remember the name of it but it's this idea that's like just so elemental because it's just like yeah well you know someone lives in a cave you can't trust him (laughs) it's just not that's not what we do that's he's out of society lives in the dark bears living caves uh... bats living caves they're bad people what was that? What was that movie that came out a few years ago? I think it was. Was it directed by Dave Franco? The one that was Child uh, of God. Yeah, it was like it's like the Child of God thing. Oh like, yeah, Child. Of, that's based on a Cormac McCarthy book. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 No, it's it, it's called Child of God. Yeah. 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 It is just. I feel like the only thing, and I'm I'm glad that they didn't do this, but the only thing that this movie is missing is the the kind of towny doomsayer who, <laughs> you know, I, I could just see them stopping off at some little general store and saying, Oh yeah, we're going up to the caves and you know, the, well, the caves and the, them mountains ain't safe for no one. <laughs> it's like, you know what I heard? <laughs> <laughs> I what, heard the creepy I, crawlies in there. I do kind of love the fact that there's like, the, aside from maybe that dead moose, though, probably not. Cause it wasn't dragged back into the cave. Um, uh, yeah. Well, I guess it was a deer. Anyway, it doesn't matter. No, that that dead quadruped big, with the antlers. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's no exterior signs of this. Like, if you walked into yeah. this movie just thinking, like, a bunch of women get lost in a cave, you could live with that assumption very yeah. comfortably up until about the 47-minute mark where there's one of them in the foreground and it, it goes and then drops some, some sick-looking saliva. And then you just, like, go, like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> what the shit was that goddamn thing? Oh boy! Because I think in the sequel they do emerge from the cave. So I have I didn't even know that there was a sequel um, until I was looking at the Wikipedia page today for this movie, and I was like, "Wow, that's one of those things that I guess I just thought would never happen." I've watched little bits and pieces of it, not enough to really see what happened. But yeah, I I do know that they they come out of the cave, and Sarah is in the sequel she's like the main character in the sequel right because well i mean we, we'd have to talk about the ending to really talk about it yeah i don't know we're like an hour in we could we could do it um i mean is there anything else you wanted to cover or i mean there's well i think i think a lot of i think a lot of what i want to cover ties into the end because the 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 big okay. the big kind of undercurrent sure. in this movie and i what i love about this movie actually and I'll, I'll just put this in the context of many modern horror movies um is that it's not it's it's not a a metaphor for something. <laughs> um yeah. it while it has these themes, it's not like I don't want to just say hereditary and midsummer <laughs> because those are both by Ari Aster and I don't yeah. want to make it seem like he's the only one making horror movies. Um but yeah, like it it's not You wouldn't like, even call them horror movies. Oh, yes, no, they're elevated genre whatever the fucks. Um <laughs> Now genre. here's the th- I like both of those movies, uh, but I will say that um, they do lean very heavily on like, 
well, if you think about it, like this whole thing, like this haunting is like really a, a metaphor yeah. for trauma. And this one's like, well, yes, clearly this woman is tra- tra- like traumatized and she's dealing with uh, feelings of betrayal from her friend and her friend can't be trusted. But also, yeah, sometimes you just go into a cave and there's a pale, blind, clicking uh, murder creatures. <laughs> like, look, sometimes a murder creature is just a murder creature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just how it is. Like that's every once in a while you just got a murder creature on your back and you got to stab him off. Um, yeah. I like, I almost feel like adding the monsters. Like it would have been that if the monsters had not been there. I really do think that they, this could have just been a thriller where over time, these women, as they start to lose it, turn on each other or they start to hallucinate or their brain <clears throat> or they're like mine plays tricks on them and mm-hmm. i'm glad it didn't go there i'm glad it it I, I did i don't know like how calculated that was because it it does kind of like take all of the kind of like self-importance away from the movie and makes it just more about like yeah these women are just trying to survive and there happens to be this you know this story added to kind of like amp up the tension um yeah. it's yeah, um so we we talked about uh the movie unstoppable on this podcast uh, a while ago great and movie. one of the things that we said we really liked about it was that for like the first hour the two main characters have nothing to do with the train running away it's it is <laughs> okay. all like they're on the one on the one track you have a runaway train and on the other the track, 777 yeah man Seven seven seven. Um, and on the other track, you've got Denzel Washington and Chris Pine, just like having a first day of work. You know, like the the rugged old timer and the the green behind the ears newcomer, like you know, working through their shit, like kind of getting on each other's nerves, and just like character building, character building, character building. And this movie is very much that, where you just learn yeah. like the interaction between these women and everything going on. And occasionally one of them nearly gets crushed in a tunnel uh, and the, mm-hmm. the tension ramps up and it's, it's as though it was unstoppable, but without any, if, if it just at some point unstoppable with no preamble, they just said, there's a runaway train. It's filled with a uh, molten phenol. And just like, oh shit, now it's happening. Like this movie, the creatures, again, I just can't <laughs> say enough. They come out of fucking nowhere and it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I like the fact that it avoids that. I, I feel like we have gotten away from that. Like, I I think that the movie that, that most resembles this movie, actually, is Crawl. Oh, yeah. Because it's hard for an alligator to be a, a metaphor. <laughs> like, you know? Please, like, somebody cross-stitch that. <laughs> It's hard for little, an alligator to be a metaphor. Little alligator. <laughs> Just and he like got a tear because he's trying so hard to be a metaphor. Oh, <laughs> his dream. Oh. I miss, but I do miss that era. It's almost like Twister. Any of those movies, <clears throat> I do miss that era of. Yeah, there are monsters and there's disasters and there's all these these things happening. I I I really want to go back to that because I do think that there is this pressure to make horror movies or thrillers more than what they are. And Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't have to, it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't, I I mean, I I think, I think part of the reason that this kind of stuff happens is because what we've seen is that horror is a very successful genre. Absolutely. Um, 
as as far as a budget is concerned and b returns on investment so a lot of investors are really open to the idea of you know like and and I definitely understand where Ari Aster is kind of coming from in that more than likely to get hereditary filmed. Was that, I think that was his first like debut film. Now he probably made some shorts and things like that beforehand. And more than likely he ended up in the genre of horror because he's an independent filmmaker who's working in today's, independent film scene where you struggle to find any like if you just called it a family drama no one would give you any fucking money for that right yeah. they'd be like uh cool kid get out my door right but you say it's a <laughs> get family out of my drama, door <laughs> yeah uh head head back out um anyways uh so you know i feel like so many filmmakers now get trapped into the genre uh, yeah. kind of area just simply because of budgets and they know that if they wrap you know it, it, it reminds me a lot of like when people shit on uh, uh, Black Panther or things like that where it's very clearly trying to say something and yeah. then around it it has the trappings of the genre itself right yeah. and so you're like okay here's my family drama but the trappings around it are horror that I'm also kind of like into, right? Like clearly, clearly Ari Aster has just kind of like, uh, you know, a, a sick uh, Wikipedia search history, you know, <laughs> it's just like he's very clearly interested I... in this stuff. But yeah. it's it's just like, OK, you know, like. I, I think I think so often that's where that metaphor kind of ends up happening is because filmmakers, especially young filmmakers, kind of trying to cut their teeth are like, how do I how do I make this I- enjoyable, but also kind of multifaceted besides it being just straight horror, you know? Well, I think it's just because I see so many independent horror movies that are just such a drag. And I think it is. I, I do agree with you, Bill. I do think that that is often the case. Um, but it's sort of like you are getting so up your own ass with oh, sure. making this a metaphor. And I it always makes me think of, I'm not the biggest Stephen King fan, but I remember when I read his book on writing and he said, don't worry about symbolism. Don't worry about metaphor. It's just going to happen naturally. And so I think maybe that's something a lot of people have to take into account it's like just worry about the story whatever symbolism whatever metaphor it's gonna be there like no Mm. matter what and then in this movie it's there and it's a humongous puddle of blood or pool of blood blood i guess not puddle. if it's if it's deep enough i think it goes from a puddle to a pool yeah (laughs) it's a a sauna of blood right it's like like a hot tub sized (laughs) I think I think what's so funny about what you're saying, Amanda, though, is like like even from my time interviewing various directors, you always try and come in with kind of like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to think of uh, of a question that's kind of outside the box or maybe maybe something a little different, you know, and you end up asking them sometimes these asinine questions of like, hey, like, does is this representative of this? And like, here's here's all these things that I can pull from. And like this scene really reminded me of Brisson. Was that what you were thinking? (laughs) (laughs) And 
what's what's always funny is like ninety nine percent of the time that anytime I've asked you know a, a director about some of these themes that maybe they're playing with or things like that, yeah. they're just like, "Awesome! I had no idea." that sounds awesome yeah they're, they're not bullshitting you they're just like genuinely I was trying to make a good movie and you found all these themes great awesome good on you if you can you know pull all that stuff but honestly I was just trying right. to you know release my film on time and make a good movie right but <laughs> I feel like and I feel like you know this movie particularly it's like well yes there's a lot in there about you know trauma and blah 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 but also like there's just some monsters like like in crawl, like there's never a point in crawl where like the girl is like trying to stab an alligator to death, and she like says like you are the embodiment of the abandonment I felt from my father, you know, <laughs> like it is it. <laughs> my favorite thing, my favorite stupid fucking thing that Aaron Sorkin does, um, yes, is when he has like a character just shout their emotions, oh, yeah. you know, and just like. You know, we're they're having an argument. They're having an argument, and it's just like argument, counter argument, argument, counter argument. And then the final thing that will happen is like me screaming the subtext that I didn't realize was happening, and now I can't stop myself. And um, and th- that doesn't really happen in this movie, and I like that. Like the the way that yeah. it comes out is actually the most fucking badass thing that I forgot was in this movie, um, because Sarah meets Beth after Beth has been trogged in the throat by uh, Juno and and accidentally accidentally, accidentally yes but Juno which is uh, which is a great sequence of oh, just yeah. like her heightened emotions at this point and mm-hmm. just like being on edge she just had like this killer like right, she just had to she just had to trog a trog and then she accidentally yeah. <laughs> counter trogged her her friend um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Again, my friends and I used to call any violence visited I, I upon someone trogging them. That's very them, so. funny. I, I, I don't know if, if if you can say it's a counter trog if Beth wasn't attacking. She believed <laughs> that she was about to be trogged, and okay. so she trogged she, she in fo- response. She faux she fo- counter trogged. Yes. It was an accidental counter trogging. It was really just a trogging. <laughs> yes. But so she trogs Beth in Friend, the throat. Friendly trogging. <laughs> friendly trogging. Um, so she, she uh, Sarah finds Beth and Beth's like, you know, oh my God, like, first of all, good, good for her being alive and still being able to talk. Um, that's, that's fucked. Like, <laughs> it sucks for her. Uh, and it yeah. also just lets you know how little Juno really paid attention to her when she pulled that axe out of her throat. <sighs> and here's the yeah. thing, like, Juno was we totally legitimately, like, justified in, in trogging Beth in the throat. But what she's not legitimately justified in doing is leaving her for dead. Yeah. Bye bye. (laughs) Right. So Beth is like, don't trust Juno. Juno trogged me in the throat and left me to the trogs. And also, here's this necklace. Right. And 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 Sarah's like, no, that's not right. Like, you're confused. And then she's like, here, here you go. And Sarah's like, oh, shit, this is the feather necklace that she's always kissing. And Beth just like twisting the knife and also like trying to get her friend to understand that Juno's not a stand-up individual is like, uh, yeah, Paul, your husband who was killed by some copper pl- piping, uh, gave it to her. Ugh. 
which you could tell because they had the most sensual helmet removal that I've ever seen mm-hmm. in any movie. Yeah, they, they definitely uh, were touching each other in a way that I was like, oh, okay, this is very familiar. If you didn't Who's think you could take to- a helmet off of someone in a sexy way, like if that's your reason all your bike dates fail, I'll just let you know it's possible and it's in this movie. Um, <laughs> so she takes it, sees the love every day thing on the back. My favorite, this is... Uh, there's so many tangents I could go on right now. My favorite thing in any movie is when someone who's cheating on someone gives someone a present that is engraved. Yeah. <laughs> in a way that oh, would. Yeah. So like like in The Edge, for instance, a movie that at some point we must talk about on this podcast. Um, there is a point where Alec Baldwin has this watch that he's kind of been cagey about all movie. And uh, Anthony Hopkins finally gets a look at this watch. And on the back is engraved, like, for all the nights, you know, fucking Anthony Hopkins' wife. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. And so that's, like, the tip-off. He finally has... And he's been, like, suspicious, but now he has the fucking the certainty, right? Ugh. Right. So anyway, so uh, uh, this is a long-winded way of saying, if you're having an affair on someone you get them some jewelry, don't get it engraved. Yeah. Don't, don't yeah. have it say Public something that... Public service from, from Brian Rowan. Yeah, that that says that kind of, you know, leads leads the cookie crumbles back right back to you, especially like don't don't engrave it with your name, like in the edge and don't engrave it with uh, your personal motto, like in this movie, like engrave it with something like love you. Something that could reasonably be assumed to come from almost anyone. Maybe you should do like a candy heart message, like miss you, but with a leather you or like fax me. Right. <laughs> Something like that. Something real and personal and fun. Just you rock. <laughs> Just do an emoji of like you the rock. wide-eyed kind of cute face. Yeah. <laughs> you can engrave emojis. emojis, right? Oh, yeah. Just I do a know. eggplant <laughs> and a water splash. Oh. <laughs> anyway. Oh, boy. Anyway, yeah, that was a really great moment. Yes, when she when she when when they fight the trogs together and they trog all the trogs and they uh, escape untrogged, but then Sarah holding the axe, staring at Juno, covered in blood, murder in her eyes, drops the the thing and it's just hanging from her hand beneath the axe. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's uh. fucking cold. And then and then what does she do? She trogs Juno in the leg. Yes. And then she leaves her there to get trogged by the trogs. <laughs> uh, this is a very versatile word. I'm going to bring it back. I love it. The, the issue, the only issue I have with the scene is a, they don't know how many trogs they're actually dealing with. Correct. And B, I still feel like maybe I kick you on the way out the entrance, but not, while we're still trying to figure out if there even is an exit or if I can even get to the exit. Right. Like, wait, was this after I'm trying to remember, was this after she fell into the pool? Yes. This is like, yeah, this is like the last five minutes of the movie. Like she, she, she gives, she gives Juno the old ax to the, the leg and then she just books it. And then Juno like takes the ax out of her leg and goes to face down the trogs and trog as many as she can before she herself is trogged. And then, (laughs) you know, uh, Sarah hears her screaming and then Sarah like falls into another bone pit, but there is daylight. Yeah. And then she escapes. 
Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, <sighs> I, I think it's one of those things where I guess Sarah just had the impulse that they must be close. And then she's like, all right, well, you know, maybe we could make it fighting together or I could just give them something else to eat. It's that old joke about like, I don't have to run faster I, than the bear. Yep. I have to run faster than you. Yep. 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 Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and I get it. Like it, it definitely, you know, well, without, without trying to poke too many holes in it, it does make sense. But I'm again, also I'm being very practical and just being like, I, I've, I've not reached the exit yet. And yeah, I, I need to, I need to firmly establish that if I'm going to fuck you over, I'm going to fuck you over so that I can actually still survive. Like this would definitely be like, Oh, we're in the middle of an avalanche and I'm going to kick you. And it's like, okay, that killed that person, but you're still in the fucking avalanche. Like what, what are you doing? Like, well, no, yeah, it's, it's very life. like, yeah, no, you're right. It is kind of like, this is just for your own like satisfaction before you're ultimately killed. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. it works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know what? Well, or maybe it doesn't work. Live, laugh, love. <laughs> we, we, we don't we don't know if it works, right? Let's let's go ahead and uh, discuss the, the Okay, endings. let's get into these endings. Okay, right, so, so I did look it up. Yes. I know the difference now, but yeah, let's let's talk about it. So the so the the ending is you know, she 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 trogs she trogs Juno. She gets out, she escapes from the trogs, she like, you know, mo- bu- pushes past the uh, covering on this hidden entrance it runs down the mountain to the car, which, you know, sure. Um, and then gets in the car, you know, you had seen a character put the keys to the car in the visor. So she like, you know, dips the visor down, gets it. It's driving, 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 has a breakdown on the side of the road, a giant truck filled with the, the, the lumber drives by. And then she vomits out the window and then turns back and, Oh my God, there's Juno. Mm-hmm. There's a ghostly Juno. Um, this after she has been having auditory hallucinations of her daughter the whole movie. So clearly the dead are affecting her. Now, that's how the American version ends. <laughs> the UK version, which is the version that I saw the first time and was expecting to see again this time. Mm-hmm. She wakes up from that jump scare back in the cave. Her daughter, Oof. you know, she saw the birthday cake when she had first hallucinated her daughter in the hospital. Um, she keeps hearing her daughter. And now there's a daughter again with a birthday cake. She's all happy. Got her daughter, got her birthday cake. What what happens? But it's actually a, uh, her torch and the trogs are coming in to trog her. Yes. And, yeah. it, and it slowly pulls away. We no longer see that <clears throat> there's an entrance near her. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it pulls back, pulls back. And you just realize like she's basically surrounded by darkness. Like yeah. there is no exit right next to her, um, you know. And so maybe she was dreaming it. Maybe she's about to kick all their asses. You just don't know. But no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to exactly. happen. Well, I don't know, because now there's there's a sequel and apparently Sarah's in it. So do you think so do you think that either either ending could work, but we just have to make assumptions? I, I think that, you know, it's it's difficult to know. Um, yeah, I think that okay. I like the you know, I, I think that there's a problem with the American ending, which is that it's so goddamn sudden that. Yeah, 
It it like like she sees Juno's screams, and before his scream is even done, it's like, all right, thanks for being here. Good to see you. Written and directed by Neil Marshall. Take a bow, everyone. And you're just like, wait, no, that's what? I remember the the cake ending being a lot more interesting, but it is a little. Oh, yeah. There was a part of me that was like, and again, I hadn't seen this movie in 14 years. There was a part of me that like seemed to remember that there was a read of this movie that there were no trogs and Sarah was the trog and she trogged all her friends. But that does not pan Ooh. out. That is not no. one that is there's like fucking impossible. Um I, Yeah, that's a reachy boy. That's no, a that's reach. there's no way that there's no way to do that because everyone is interacting with and battling the trucks and being murdered at different times and yeah. yeah, it's just but I think that what I was remembering was the fact that the birthday cake and the trogs could be those final drugs could be like a hallucination and this is her just being like oh, i'm cracking up now because everything's shit yeah. and i don't know where mm-hmm. i am so i i think just in a in a rhythmic editing sense i think the british ending is better sure. okay yeah yeah it doesn't have that sudden ending that that kind of comes out of nowhere right because this movie is is a patient you know, thriller that turns into like a full blown horror movie, but like it still has a lot of patience and everything. And to just end on like a Ringu or not a Ringu, but like a The Ring style jump scare with a dead girl. Yeah. It's just like that just feels like, oh shit, we ran out of money. <laughs> yeah, um, a little bit. Speaking of running out of money, uh, I, I, the one knock that I will give against this movie is uh, like the, the credits, the opening credits where it's like a sun flare going across just as like real like 2005 iMovie weirdness like i, I was I looking at that guess. and i was just like i don't know that's, that that feels pretty cheap like you should have just gone with white on black mm-hmm. and sure, i sure, sure. don't know why it stuck out in my head but i just like saw that and i was like wow that's that like i that, that's a cheap ass looking title credit i don't remember <laughs> that huh maybe yeah, again i remember, that was I remember looking version. at it yeah, no, I remember I, I watched the unrated direct or unrated unrated director's cut. cut? I, I don't think it's don't the know. director's cut. It's it's just an unrated original cut, I think is what it's called. Um and no, that the uh that uh that title credit stuff is definitely in there. It's yeah. it's only in there like three times. It's Which it's in there makes for it the worse. descent. <laughs> It's also in there for written by Neil Marshall or written and, like, and directed one of the by production Neil companies. Yeah, okay. and one of the production it's companies. It's very strange. And I was I just, I just looking at it and I was just like, this feels like something I can make on my computer right now. Now, I will say <laughs> yeah. one of the things that I do love about this movie is uh, people from the UK making fun of Americans. Mm-hmm. That shit was hilarious. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, and I think, too, with the two endings, I would go with the UK one, too, because I like the idea that it's her daughter, not her daughter and her husband. Like, oh, she has no... Yeah. yeah, it's just... And it's not because she knew what was going on with Juno. And I don't even know if there was any sense that her and her husband had problems in their marriage. But just the idea that, like, this movie is so devoid of men... That like yes. this this woman is like wouldn't even deign to think of her dead husband. She's like, nope, I just miss my dead daughter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like the, he he literally has like three lines. Yeah, <laughs> it's like maybe like one of them is like wave your mom. 
you know, and the next one is like, oh, let me help you out, Juno. And then the other one is when she asks, like, you're, are you OK? You've been a little distant. And he's like, it's and fine. He crashes the car. And then he gets fucking murdered um, by a, a spiky, coppery bit of irony. That is a final destination death. It 100 percent is. Mean, yeah. Ugh. I'm pretty sure like, that that kind of thing has happened in like two different Final Destination movies. Oh, it also 100%. happened in Baby Driver. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, it is one of those th- reasons I cannot be behind any tractor trailer that has tubes. Dangerous. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> any, yeah. Yeah. Any tubes. Any tu- it's tubes. Like, no, those, tubes those, or logs. <laughs> a log is a kind of tube. Well, no, it's oh, more yeah, of a wood, cylinder. A wood tube. <laughs> it's a wood tube. A giant, a giant straw. I'm yes. gonna go to my. I'm gonna go to my cabin. It's made out of wood tubes. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Lincoln logs? My Lincoln wood tubes. <laughs> oh yeah, boy! Yeah, it is. No, I agree. I think both endings. I don't think either one necessarily doesn't work. But yeah, I, I can see what you mean with the one feeling more rushed with the one of her escaping. Right, because it's mm-hmm. if, if again, if you see it, I and again, I didn't see the. I didn't see the um. The what's gonna call it the uh, the UK ending. So I don't know how the editing works there. But like just just like vomit dead Juno end credits is just like a lot of like this. Just it's just too fast. Like it it yeah. doesn't suit this movie's previous pace. Yeah, yeah. And I also again like it. it almost it kind of makes a lot of her auditory hallucinations of her daughter make less sense because you're just like so all that was just her being nuts but like to have the daughter come back at the end it yeah again it doesn't have to be all thematic and stuff but it does give a sense of completion to this character you know and it kind of pays off those things um so yeah i I'll, i'll you know but i won't say like it's not like it's not like uh how stanley kubrick just straight up didn't film the last chapter of a clockwork orange you know and it just changes everything yeah. You know, because I don't know if everyone out there knows this, but in A Clockwork Orange, the novel, um, there's a there's a final chapter where Alex, uh, having like had his blood replaced and is now able to do violence again, he's like dejected and doesn't know what to do with himself. He'd like gone back to violence for a while, but now he's kind of bored. And then he meets one of his old droogs and he's like married and happy and a adjusted member of society. And Alex is like, oh shit maybe i want that and it's like this whole thing about like how you don't have to turn people into a clockwork orange because the human spirit generally moves towards civilization and you know people don't have to be tortured to become better people and meanwhile kubrick's just like we're gonna end on a fantasy sequence of him like straight up murdering someone and having sex with a woman because he's got his blood gone and he can do violence again and it's just like it turns that's like there's bleakness and then there's like actual statement on humanity and this movie i think both endings work towards a general sense of like shit's not okay. Yeah. 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 I could say. Yeah. No, I just want to see the second one. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near as good as this one, but I'm just curious what they do. I I mean from what I recall, there's definitely uh local local cops who find Sarah and she's of course out of her mind right. <laughs> just <laughs> like scared and insisting that there are trogs running around <laughs> um i think they fall in the blood pit again at one point of course uh, yeah that's all i could remember but i mean yeah i'm sure it's i don't remember it being unwatchable like what i did see of it but um yeah it's not 
the craftsmanship is not there for sure. Right. Well, it wasn't directed by the same guy. It was directed by this film's editor, which I feel like is one of those choices that you make where you're like, well, we don't want to give this to someone who doesn't have any connection to the previous film. Like we want some sort of like bloodline Mm. continuity, but like the editor, not even like the assistant AD or something. Well, that kind of reminds me of, I think for Jaws 3, 3D, (laughs) the production designer directed it or some, (laughs) it was some, it's almost, (laughs) it's almost like, what do they call the, what's that, um, what's that term for when everybody dies? So like the, whoever becomes president. Oh, the designated survivor. It's kind of like the designated survivor of like (laughs) filmmaking where it's like, well, the editor doesn't want to do it. The cinematographer doesn't want to do it. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe Jaws the- 3 was directed by uh, Joseph Manuel Alves, who is a production designer and the director of Jaws 3D. <laughs> Which, I love that movie, just what I say. But yeah, it is kind of like... It is literally the only movie he ever directed. And it's all he needed. Yeah. all he needed to do to cement <laughs> his place among the greats. <laughs> I've done it, guys. I've done it. What? No. That's just I did it. it. I, I done made did it. Jaws 3 3D. Like, oh, okay. Now, here's cool. the thing. I remember Jaws 2 being not terrible. Jaws 2 is depressing. It's Jaws so 2 depressing. is set in the water Because it's like park. all children, right? No, Jaws 3 is the water park. Jaws okay. 3 is the water park. Jaws 3, the... The elevator pitch is Jaws breaks into a sea world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, need. why not? It was great. It's one of my favorite bad movies. I hate that <laughs> so movie so bad. But so Jaws much. 2 is pretty good. It's like the kids are out like on a little regatta and then they get stuck somewhere and the Jaws is in the water. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. But yeah, but Brody is so depressed in that movie. Well, Probably because the mayor got reelected. <laughs> That's true. The mayor got reelected and still doesn't trust him. Like he's running around being like, I tell you, there's another shark. And they're like, oh, he was right the first time. But now, nah, what are the odds, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do our regatta or whatever the fuck is going on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Enough about Jaws. But yeah. Um, yeah. But still. Regardless of the ending, I think The Descent is just a great movie. Just perfect. Yeah. Now let's talk about Juno. (laughs) Villain or hero? (laughs) Brian. I just... (laughs) (laughs) I just... (laughs) Your your statement of my name is all that we need. Uh, I I don't know if a sociopath could ever be a hero. (laughs) I, I don't know. Like, I was watching the movie and I was like, I know that she that she's not like objectively. She is the reason li- like all of this has happened. But right. I, there is something just incredibly badass about her. And I think that there's almost oh, yeah. uh, like a read of this movie where it's like, yeah, the protagonist in any other movie is a sociopath. Well, like <laughs> will in, get her own, in, trouble. in her own warped adrenaline deprived brain. She thought she was doing something really good and memorable for all of her spelunking girlfriends, but right, sure. that's her warp. That's her very warped, adrenaline-starved brain, just being like, "Like, yeah, we're gonna go to this cave, bitches! <laughs> like, and it's gonna be great." But yeah, that's the friend who thinks 
the best way to help you out of a breakup is to take you to a bar where she then gets wildly drunk, <laughs> gets into a fight, and then takes a guy home with her and leaves you just there by yourself. Like that's that's Juno. That's that, that is friend. Juno. Yes, but, but the- you, <laughs> you still love her, but you're also like maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I just shouldn't do this anymore with her. <laughs> right. We've had a couple of, of films now where we've talked about um, what in Hot Tub Time Machine, they say, you know, it's like he's an asshole, but he's our asshole. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which, and so we had Mikey and Nikki, and now we've got The Descent. Um, where, yeah, Juno. But, like, there is, like, yes, she, she trogs Beth in the throat, but she does save the others, and she does say, like, we can't leave without Sarah. And I don't know how much of that is her guilt over having, uh, like, what's the, is there a term for it when you, like, steal someone's husband? Uh. It's not not cucking, right? No. (laughs) I don't, Jolene? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, she's a real Jolene. (laughs) She Jolened Sarah. Oh man! The female version of cooking someone well, is Jolene. It's, it's, it's a homewrecker. Homewrecker, right? Yeah, but I get like well, she I didn't feel like that applies to men too, right? Or no? Right. I, I think you if you you were a homewrecker well, if you force the dissolution of a marriage. Yes. You have wrecked a home, or if you come in and you don't take your shoes off, <laughs> <laughs> like a like a barbarian, like a real trog coming in with your dirty <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ass shoes. See, <laughs> you all are picking up on it. Trog is a thing it. now. I yeah. told you I love it. Good. Yeah, I don't No, I do love that this movie is smart enough not to just make her a pure villain. But I right, mean Absolutely not. She's wholly unlikable in many ways. <laughs> what does it say about me that like if I had to hang out with one person from this movie, I'd probably choose Juno? Oh, I mean, I don't blame you. Juno seems cool. Also, if I get attacked by a trog, I know that Juno's probably going to be able to trog that trog. Sure. Yeah. My other yeah. choice would be, I think, Sam, only because she is introduced uh, wearing what appears to be the world's coziest sweater. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I love a cozy sweater in a movie. I want to rank movies based on how cozy the sweaters are. So Knives Out's definitely going to be in there. Knives Out, uh, While You Were Sleeping, mm. uh, Sandra Bullock's sweaters, and the... Oh, amazing. Yeah. I feel like I just saw a movie here's, where... Here, here's, a, here's a sweater story. Um, yes. The Ethan Hawke uh, horror movie a couple of years ago. Uh, oh, Sinister? Yes, Sinister. Okay. So uh, I was talking to the film's writer, and he was talking about how uh, in the movie uh, Sinister – at one point, Ethan Hawke early on in the film has this like really nice sweater on. And uh, in the film, he's supposed to go up into this attic and it's supposed to tear and it's supposed to get caught on something, blah, blah, blah. Something's supposed to happen to the sweater and the sweater's supposed to get kind of ripped to shreds or whatever. And uh, during production, during the filming, Ethan Hawke was like, no, fuck y'all. I really like this sweater. I want to keep the sweater. Can we get the and stunt sweater in here, please? Y- yes. And uh, <laughs> the writer was on set and they were like, cool. Uh, good use of the writer's time now. Uh, writer, come up with the solution. And so his solution was that he goes up into the attic and it's hot in the attic. So he takes the sweater off when he gets in the attic. So the sweater is now safe. 
Wow. Does his shirt tear or are they just like no, does anything think, tear? Just, no, I think they just skipped that portion of the of the <laughs> of the thing. Guys, That's awesome. But yeah, they, they just created is <laughs> They gave him too nice. They gave him too nice of a sweater, and he was like, "Nah, I'm gonna pull some strings on this one. I'm gonna say fuck y'all and come up with a solution so I don't have to tear the sweater because I'm keeping it after this film wraps." (laughs) (laughs) So to get back on this this film sweater, but also to make another point about the strengths of this movie, like you were introduced to the character of Sam, and she is the smallest, and she is the blondest, and she is the most adorable. Um, mm-hmm. And she is also, I think, the youngest, like by by dialogue is like peg, pegged as the youngest. And so like you immediately think like, oh, no, poor Sam, like poor Sam's going to like something bad's going to happen to Sam. And Sam dies trying to put pinions into the ceiling of a cave, hanging there, stabbing a trog in the chest. Like oh, Sam yes. is able to do some shit on her own. And you didn't have to worry about Sam. Like all of these people, when the chips are down, are able to act with a level of fucking acumen and physicality that I will never, with like 400 personal trainers and a very strict diet, be able to achieve. Like this, it's it's just like, Her it's so great that no one is, is infantilized in this movie. <laughs> Her death does bother me, though, because at some point she pulls out like this pocket knife that she has and like you're like, oh, okay, so she's about to stab a trog in in the head or something. And you see this troglodyte hanging from the wall that she's hanging from as well, except using her little rope attachment. Mm. And you're like, oh, okay, so she's going to keep it in her hand and like start swinging at this thing. It's going to come at her and just stab it in the head. No, she puts it in her mouth for some reason and then looks back at the troglodyte and gets her throat slashed open and then stabs it in the in the abdomen well i don't know if she knew how quickly it would be able to get towards her maybe she wanted both hands to be able to i mean like let's sam was hanging upside down trying to create a rope bridge to save her friends and she took down a trog like let's not judge her too harshly for having a (laughs) knife in her mouth it just seemed like a weird sequence of events where you put a defense weapon in your hand and you're like oh okay yeah yep Okay, this makes sense. And then you put it in your mouth and you're like, again, hanging from a ceiling. Maybe you need your hands for something more important. (laughs) Maybe. I don't I don't I don't know what to tell you. But Sam went out like a champ. Yes. (laughs) Rebecca died. She does have one. Getting dragged across the uh, getting dragged across the floor and tore a fingernail off, which, again, was a thing that in my house made me say, oh, fuck. Yeah. I hate fingernails. There's more than one of those. Like, it, it, never mind the fact that she's eaten eaten alive. Yeah. Um, no, the uh, the fingernails ripping open. I was just like, Ugh. feel like but I'd be more cool also with one something ripping my stomach out than breaking a nail in such a way. Yeah. Uh, she's also the one that had uh, another gory sequence where her hand gets oh, like torn open. Burn. And yeah. uh, no, that was not a rope. It was burn. a third a degree burn, rope burn. A, a rope burn. <laughs> oh no. Red. Or a rope burn turns red. That was a gouge from yeah. a rope. Yeah, um, it, it sanded off I, a I portion of her hand. Yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely looked at that wound and I was like, "Oh no, 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 no! That's not a 
oh, let me wrap this up wound. That is a, I think I have to amputate my hand now wound. Yeah. Like this I was going like, to get infected. I was like, holy fuck. And she never even like mentions it. Of course, I mean, at that time, I think, no, no, the, everything's still chill at that point. But uh, shortly thereafter, uh, shit goes haywire. But uh, at that point, I would have been like, hey, guys, I think I'm kind of fucked as far as climbing because my hand is now has a giant hole in it. And yeah, she never even like she's just like bandage me up, motherfuckers. Let's keep going. I was just like, oh, okay. Mm. she's uh, she's clearly done something like this before. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you're stuck in a cave. Like, what are you going to do? There's, yeah, True. there's a certain level True. of this is what I have to deal with. Yeah, uh, guys, I'm going to sit down here. Uh, come back to me when y'all uh, find the entry. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it's I've had rope burns on my hand and I cannot even imagine it like actually tearing the skin off and how much that would fucking hurt. Oh, it sucks so much. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I feel like a lot of stuff that happens to these women would suck. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not too proud to say that almost everything that happens to them would have brought me to tears. Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, pretty bad. Yeah. And uh, here's the thing. Moral of the story. Don't go in a cave. Right. Stay no. out of the caves. Stay out. <laughs> Just seems like a bad idea. I mean, they even made two movies about this thing. Like, yeah. what are y'all doing? Yeah. Don't go. There's a there's a whole creepypasta about this shit. Like, don't mm-hmm. don't do this. Like don't don't be Ted the Caver. <laughs> don't Ted go in the, the cave. Caver? That's a creepy pasta, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, clearly I'm gonna have to look that up. It's a long and it's a long one. Get oh, ready. Boy. Okay. Right. I think, so I think the true theme of this movie is don't be a trog that brings your friend to a cave where you will be trogged by trogs or have to trog trogs to keep from being trogged. You know? Like that's just <laughs> where we're at. Okay. So as as kind of our parting thing. Uh, let's talk about Neil Marshall just a little bit. Okay. He is a man. Uh, he is, he's directed many of the most acclaimed, uh, episodes of, um, what's my call it? Game of Thrones. Yes. He really, yeah. 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 He directed, uh, I think it was season one's Blackwater and then he directed that that was season two or three, wasn't it? It was season two, episode nine, Blackwater. Yeah. It was the and finale. then he did the second, Watchers second, on second. the Wall in the fourth season, also episode. Yes, nine. he Which also is- did a movie that. <laughs> Sorry, he also did a movie that I love saying with a British accent, which is Dog Soldiers. <laughs> it's a werewolf movie, <laughs> which that also has, also has like a a pretty good uh, reputation. Yeah, I uh, I actually first I first learned about him because of Dog Soldiers. I saw it in a blockbuster. I wanted to watch it. I never did. Um, so mm-hmm. I still got to do that. Maybe I'll do that instead of watching. Watch it, yeah. yeah. Instead uh, of watching the sequel to this movie. Yeah, instead of watching the sequel. I've seen Centurion just because I was on a fast bender kick at that point. Centurion. Weren't we all in 2010? Yes. Uh, Remember when he was primed to be the next big star? Yeah. Oh, those yeah. were yeah, those were those were the days. I mean, I mean he he did uh star in a fairly successful X-Men run. So I think yeah. that's the problem though. I mean, like I think he got lost in that. And then I think he I think that that like lowered his his like quality meter for everything else. And then they did the snowman. 
Yeah, which you know <laughs> could have could have been good. You know, that's there's the snowman Still is like <laughs> Mr. Police. I gave yes. you all the clues. Um, Did you guys ever talk about that movie? Because holy shit, no, I we did have been there. <laughs> if we ever do, you can you can come on for it. I would love that. <laughs> maybe maybe that'll be our Christmas movie. <laughs> what, what is it is called? It I don't it's know. Just it's, the snowman, yeah. Yeah, the snowman. I don't know. It's just like the snowman, Christmas, Christmas snowman. Like what other sure. holidays? Like Valentine's Day? <laughs> um, I don't know. But he's 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 done some movies. Uh, he did Hellboy, which, you know, is unfortunate. Oh, uh, uh, the one with uh what's his face? Yeah. Okay. David Harbour. Yeah, I heard it wasn't good, and I also heard what was the whole thing where David Harbor claimed that Hellboy didn't fuck and oh wow. wait what uh, the guy yeah did you not hear about this apparently there was some between him and uh, oh god who played Hellboy originally uh, Ron uh, Perlman Ron Perlman so David Harbor I guess in some interview said that the reason that there I don't know like there was something about the movie that somebody was like, oh, it seems like he's not really a sexual being. And David Harbour basically said like, oh yeah, Hellboy doesn't fuck. And Ron Perlman was like, excuse me? Did <laughs> you like, not see him in Selma Blair? Like, uh, he fucks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just gotta say like, maybe a David Harbour Hellboy doesn't fuck, but uh, Ron Perlman Hellboy fucks like crazy. Oh, sure. 1,000. Yeah. I think they, they had babies, didn't they? They kiss at the end of that movie and they light on fire. Like, that's how hot. Yeah. She's anyway. hot. <laughs> oh, Selma Blair? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, Ron Perlman, too. Oh, I mean, they're both hot. That's like power couple. Oh, <laughs> amazing. In reality, I would watch those actors. Um, so, yes, he did Dog Soldiers. He did The Descent. He did a movie called Doomsday, which looks bananas. Doomsday. Yeah, he... He's got he's got a, a definitely like a, a visual flair to him. Uh, Doomsday has uh, I think Rona Mitra in yes, it. Yes, it does. Yeah, uh, and apparently it, Bob Hosk- Hoskins. Oh fuck! Yeah. Oh, that um, must have been like one of his last movies, I think, because he died after the live action Snow White. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh really? Oh, all right, P. Oh wait, Bob the one Hoskins. with the one with uh, Kirsten Stewart. Kristen Stewart? Was it her or Lily Collins? I can't remember. He was yeah. in yeah, he was in his last acting credit is Snow White and the Husband, which is the Stewart one. Okay. Not Mirror right. Mirror, which is the Collins ones. The Collins God, ones. There's way too many. Stop making these movies. Okay. <laughs> the Huntsman, the Winter yeah. Soldier. No, no, what's the The Winter's <laughs> War? That's it. The Winter Soldier. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh, I got close amazing oh yeah uh bob hoskins that's crazy i had no idea huh yeah. okay um but yeah he's he's a he's a good director uh he apparently had a movie out this year well you know who what, what does that even mean uh it's what being now? it's being released december 4th in turkey um oh. so i don't know what that means um but it's called the reckoning and it stars joe anderson oh okay huh. everybody loves joe anderson right Who's Joe Anderson? Joe, Joe. All right, I like Joe Anderson. Um, he played Max in Across the Universe. He played um, Mason Verger in the last season of Hannibal. Oh, really? Not that that's helpful because like his face is all fucked up. But I was about to say because that was uh, 
that problematic actor. Michael and Pitt. then yeah. Yeah. Is he problematic? He's, he seems like he'd be problematic. Ooh, he's very problematic. Yeah. He's well, I mean, in the sense that he's like impossible to work with. He's a brilliant actor and he's amazing. Oh, but okay. Yeah, so I, he's like technically problematic, not like ethically problematic. Yeah. So oh, I, th- yeah. I thought this was part of the Me Too thing. Okay. All right. Okay. No, yeah. no, no. He's just like a he's nightmare to work with. Like he was on Broadway, uh bo- no, bro- not Broadway, Boardwalk Empire. Like I guess yes. he was just like impossible to work with on Boardwalk Empire. But he's a great actor. Oh, yeah, he's I love him. Sucks. He and Ryan Gosling are awesome in Murder by numbers oh my god (laughs) anytime michael pitt comes up up. i have to talk about murder by numbers um oh okay yeah he was in the ruins i forgot okay yeah i know who this is he's also in the gray um very good in the gray everyone in the gray is great the gray is like a, a combination of all the actors that would come to like define the next decade of movie watching for me i realized the other day huh Okay. Because, because like I think the gray was like 2010 or 2011. Yeah. And it's got yeah, like 2011. It's got Joe Anderson, it's got Liam Neeson, obvi. It's got Dermot Mulroney, which holy shit. And then it's got uh Frank Grillo who rules in all things. And it's got James Badge Dale. <laughs> oh, you guys, you're James Badge Yeah, James Badge Dale, <laughs> baby. And then Dallas Roberts who shows up in a weird amount of movies that I like, like 310 to Yuma. And um, what is the other one? It's Joe Carnahan. God, what a weird director he is. <laughs> He's I, you know, I uh, I don't know what to think about him. <laughs> I, I love like the gray is one of my top five movies of all time just because of like the when I saw it and the way it came into my life and everything and blah, blah, blah. My friend died, whatever. Um, But like, yeah, Joe Carnahan is his his directing is I mean, it's weird. Smoke and Aces is fucking I mean, crazy. The A team is kind of like a like a basic movie uh the gray is fucking fantastic and then stretch is fucking weird as shit i tried to watch stretch and made it maybe 10 minutes i could not get into it i like stretch but i feel like i should feel ashamed of that (laughs) (laughs) i don't think i don't think that actor is very good oh the the Uh, the stretch (laughs) yeah stretch the actor uh patrick Patrick Wilson, wilson who is not cole hauser and not josh lucas he is such a anyway I, we're getting off off topic real bad but That's yeah what we do. i just i've been watching like the annabelle m- movies <laughs> oh, Jesus. i watched the all the annabelle movies yeah apparently that is it all that is a whole universe of movies and the my husband, oh yeah. yeah there's like seven it's of them already huge. it's nuts so we were they'll... watching we were, we were like okay well we gotta watch all the annabelle movies but patrick wilson is in a couple of them for like and one, he's in it for literally a second. And the other one, it's like a little longer. And I was like, he's just not an actor that I like to watch. There's just nothing about him that I find intriguing. I enjoy him at times. Um, uh, You know, I wouldn't say like he's, you know, always a guy that I need to see or like to see. But like, you know, I've seen him in things and I've enjoyed it. I will say that like, yeah, because it's it's the conjuring which introduced Annabelle as like as like the the first mission James Bond style like. This is the first 10 minutes of the movie just to let you know who the Warrens are, right? Yeah. And then they go to the actual haunted house. Uh, yeah. But, so then Annabelle gets like two or three spinoffs. Yeah. And and then they've got like The Conjuring 2, which again has like The Nun in it. And now The Nun's got like a movie or two. <sighs> and then apparently, I'm just looking at this, and then I swear to God, Bill will stop. Um, there's, <laughs> there's a new Conjuring movie coming out. 
Yep. Called The Conjuring, colon, The Devil Made Me Do It. Mm-hmm. Which I'm on board just because of that name. I just love this, like, extended, <laughs> insane, like, like spin-off universe that these movies have gone into. I really, I, I really truly enjoy it. I feel like it was like, what they were trying to do with like the universal m- movie monsters. And then every one of those movies tanked and they were like, well, never mind. It's <laughs> what's funny about that is that the dark universe, it's not every one of those movies tanked. It's they did one movie and it tanked so hard that they like pre tanked the other ones and they just decided not to try. Wait, so they did the mummy, but I thought, wasn't that Wolfman movie with Benicio del Toro also part of it? No, that, cause that was like that, in that 2009 way, or something. Way. Yeah, that was way, way back. Okay. So, like, that mind. is a universal monster, but, like, they had their whole, like, dark universe, and they took that picture, and it was, like, oh, yeah. they, they redid the universal logo, and just, like, the mummy failed so heartily <laughs> that they were just, like, yeah, let's just pretend that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then they made a $5 million Invisible Man movie that made a shit ton of money and was actually very good, and then the yeah. pandemic happened. Oh, we'll see, I guess. Yes, we will. What are, wait, what are we going to see about? Like the pandemic or the future of the Universal Monsters? Uh, future of the uh, the Dark Universe, I guess. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, I mean, they, they did kind of, uh, once the Invisible Man did really well, they were like, maybe you want to do more of this? And right, like maybe we I should make all like, of these movies like a $5 million thriller. Yeah, and yeah. I think he was like, uh... No, I'm going to go make something else for $5 million. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Oof. man. Anyway, so that's our talk on The Descent. Any final thoughts or opinions on The Descent? Did I get to do my bit about how I love watching the UK people make fun of Americans? Uh, you mentioned it. We should just stay home and get drunk and go to a barn dance. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> I oh, love it. No. I love that's I just love. I love like the like because you know you'll see obviously in movies like people being people from France oh and I just like the uh, little turnabout is fair play that we got here. Can mm-hmm. I tell you I had a when I went to Germany we stayed with um, my boyfriend at the time we stayed with his friend and I insisted that they tell me how they impersonated Americans and he said oh I my me and my friends don't really have an impression but my sister and her friends whenever they make fun of americans they go rah, 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 rah. <laughs> wow and what is like, that even supposed to be i don't know but i love it <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, anyway yes I'll treat for you there i like it I, every time i impersonate an american i'm gonna go there was this guy and he cut in line in front of me at the grocery store and i was like he was all like rah, 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 rah. <laughs> <laughs> and then i trogged him because he was being a real trog oh boy, oh, boy. anyway all right don't be a trog give to our patreon by going to patreon.com slash the film stage show Again, $1 an episode gets you access to our Slack channel. Uh, you can become part of our Cinephile games, um, where I will continue to try to make appearances so everyone can see my fabulous wealth on full well, display. Mike is, Mike is also trying to get me into them, so I might appear. He claimed point. that you were going to be there last week. Okay, so I did not make a <laughs> solid promise that I was going to be there last week. I said I would let him know. <laughs> uh-huh. He was promising. Okay, this is this might be an ego boost to you, or it might scare the shit out of you. People the day of the game were super excited 
for you and me to be on the, the the Zoom call together because I guess they just assumed that like everything would descend into chaos and you and okay. I would just be like doing bits the whole time. Well, shit. Okay. Well, now I have to come on. We'll be yeah. on. I'm gonna. I'm going to promise Whoa. to be on next time. All right. Good times. You have to be on too, Brian. I will. I will. I will be on the next time that it happens. Um, okay. Because my daughter is still in Texas for now, so I have no uh, responsibilities that would keep me away from a computer. Nice. nice. Yes. Except for all the other responsibilities I have. Anyway, it's hard keeping up an empire. Just so <laughs> everyone knows. Um, <laughs> to pay for your mansion. Yes. <laughs> it's opulent, mile-long driveway. Uh, that you're only allowed to drive on with foreign cars. Otherwise, you will mess up my imported Italian gravel. <laughs> this is all stuff that was said to me or that I said of myself. Anyway, oh my uh, yeah, so patreon.com slash show. Also, don't forget about Mubi. Uh, every day, a new film on Mubi. Go check it out. They've got some great stuff. Uh, and I, um, what did I talk about earlier? Kiyoshi Kurosawa, all of his movies in their series, The Uncanny Universe of Kiyoshi Kurosawa coming up. So make sure to check that out. Go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial of Mubi. Um, that is it, I believe. Uh, Michael Snydell, what are we talking about next week? Nope. No nope, Michael nope, Michael? No. Nope. All right. I thought maybe like invoking him, he would appear like a Bloody Mary. <laughs> anyway, I have no idea what we're talking about next week. <laughs> <laughs> part of me wants to be just the worst human being on earth and talk about trial of the chicago seven um Ugh. because i hate aaron sorkin and uh, i've been liking too many movies recently <laughs> yeah but, uh, I, no. seeing seeing eddie redmayne's whole shtick and those trailers i'm like oh boy i don't know who does he play i don't know, I don't know. No, Some guy. one of the one hippies. of the seven <laughs> <laughs> i um yeah, I have I have no desire to watch that unless I get to rip on it later. Um, I know that at some point it is a... Well, I won't say that at some point it's a possibility. There is an off chance that we may have a special guest on to talk about one of the Final Destination movies. Uh, which one has yet to be determined. <laughs> so that should be fun. Uh, so look forward to all that. Uh, in the meanwhile, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we appear in their ears. Let us start with our guest, Amanda Waltz. Where can people yes. get more of your shtick? So you can listen to my podcast uh, that I do with my friend Sarah called Ghoul on Ghoul. Uh, As I kind of said before, we just talk about paranormal, spooky stuff, weird stuff, true crime. Um, You know, we sometimes have guests on. We also do a spooky film, uh, book, television recommendations, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, and it's just a horror comedy podcast that is also sex positive and yeah it's just a lot of fun so ghoul on ghoul uh ghoul looks ghoul pod on instagram and twitter you can find us on facebook um yeah and you can pretty much find us on any like podcasting platform um if you want to follow me i'm at cats blanchard on twitter and i'm also my professional one is uh at the pittsburgh city paper so you know you can read me on the city paper uh, I think the last time I was on here, I was furloughed, but I'm definitely back. So, oh, congratulations! Hey. <laughs> yeah, so so yeah, you can find me there. Yeah, that's it. Way back in those days when we were talking about Re- relic or the relic, relic. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, no. not oh, the relic, no. not the not the 
We should have watched. We should have watched that in the Zed. We should have just had you back to talk about the relic, which I've never seen, but I read the book. So yeah, that's a. Is that a Pendergrass one? It's Douglas. Yeah, but like it's yeah, it's Preston and Douglas or something. But like, isn't the main character like a guy named Pendergrass? Oh, I have no idea. I read that shit in like middle school. I have no idea. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> no idea then. Um. Anyway, yes, it was a relic. It was released earlier this year. Not a not a good. Is this produced by <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal? Good. What? Anyway, um, that was produced by Jake Gyllenhaal. That's that's what it says on Wikipedia. What? Oh no. <laughs> oh Christ. Oh, anyway, uh, I concur. Not a good. Anyway, Bill Graham. Where can people find more of your shit online? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Billstagram, uh, posting pictures of the puppies all the time. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at CableBFG, but I don't really uh, tweet too much. Uh, also, trying to catch back up on the Slack channel. I've slacked on the Slack channel. You're slack slacking. Uh, just like those trogs are trogging. Anyway, uh, you can find me talking about the most effective means by which to trog a trog uh, on my personal site, BrianJRowan.com. Uh, you can find me tweeting about the trogs in everyday life on my Twitter, at BrianJRowan. Uh, pictures of trogs, you can find it on my Instagram, which is, again, at BrianJRowan. You should and spell trog so everybody knows. It's like T-R-O- G, right? I think. Yeah. I, I, th- I think that's good. I yeah. think that's good. <laughs> you, I feel like people could have figured that out on their own. Anyway, um, I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make a pillow that says, "Trog, trogs, don't be a trog." <laughs> no friendly trogging over here. Right. No. Again, I. I wish I could cross stitch because I would. I'd definitely make that for you. <laughs> I would appreciate that greatly. Oh boy, anyway, yes. So, um, avoid the trogs and uh, go to thefilmstage.com for every episode of this year's podcast. And uh, join us next week when we do whatever it is that we do. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Tune in next time. Apparently it's Borat 2. We're talking about Borat 2 next week? Ew. I'm going to fucking kill myself and I'm going to (laughs) name someone in the suicide note.